This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. The Centers for Disease Control advised that cities not clear homeless encampments during the COVID-19 pandemic. But now that the virus is subsiding, what comes next? Chronicle reporter Lauren Hepler visited the Friendship Garden, a tent city in Santa Cruz. Everybody living there faces eviction to make way for post-pandemic public outings, but nobody wants to leave. It's attention coming to a head in cities around California. Lauren Hepler, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. How have local and state agencies handled homeless encampments during the pandemic, and, and why is that changing now? Yeah, so we're at really kind of a crucial point right now. So for the last year plus, a lot of cities have been in kind of what you might call like an uneasy truce with encampments that have been growing and in local parks, um, other areas of cities, because the Centers for Disease Control, when the pandemic was raging last year, said cities really should just be leaving people where they are if they can't provide individual shelter. And then in California, Governor Gavin Newsom also stopped a lot of state sweeps near highways. So right now, as we're starting to see more public spaces reopen, you're seeing this clash where cities understandably want to have places open for people to get out, get back in, start spending money in the local economy, all these things. But that's leading to different approaches and all kinds of different impacts on people who are still without stable housing. So I looked at the city of Santa Cruz, where I live, um, and focused on an encampment there where the city was trying to avoid coming in kind of bulldozers blazing um, and kind of voluntarily move people. But in places like San Jose and Oakland, bigger cities, you're definitely seeing a whole range where officials told me sometimes they're just trying to say, can we manage this with like regular trash pickups or cleaning? Or if it's near something like they'll sometimes talk about sensitive locations like schools, you're going to see more of those full on sweeps that you might hear about in the past. And what has the pushback been like? I know you talked to several homeless advocates um, and they're very concerned about this move. So what did they tell you? Yeah, so also a really interesting moment here because the legal landscape has really shifted and advocacy groups have more power now than they did in the past. So there was a big federal court ruling in 2018 that said cities can't sweep encampments unless they have alternative shelter. Now, that's a pretty vague ruling. There's lots of talk about what exactly is an alternative shelter, but that's led to recent legal challenges in Emeryville, Sacramento, Chico, Santa Cruz, all over the place. And those lawsuits are still playing out and really governing what cities can do here. Um, At the same time, you've got mutual aid groups that have stepped up during the pandemic and handed out sandwiches, handed out deodorant, like really all these necessities. Um, And a big question as the governor talks about spending $12 billion on homelessness is like any of these sort of basic needs going to continue to be funded. So there's a lot of big questions right now. And certainly I expect we're going to see more of it come to a head as these kind of big public uh, dates like Memorial Day and the 4th of July loom in the next couple weeks and months. Right. I think the point about the governor is important because he's very focused on building permanent supportive housing, which obviously 
takes time. And I'm sure that people are wondering, like you said, whether these necessities and these stopgap measures will be funded in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a whole range of stopgaps that cities are considering. There's a lot of talk about sanctioned encampments where the cities are providing in designated location things like regular trash pickup, portable bathrooms, kind of essential services like that, that in the past just really weren't an option. Um, Some cities are also looking at things like tiny homes or in San Francisco, obviously, we've seen the safe sleeping programs where the city Mm -hmm. pays for tents for people in parking lots. So there's a lot of different kind of ideas. But uh, the big question is going to be like, which of these stick and which of them kind of maybe become more common in different cities? Right. I toured one of the safe sleeping sites in San Francisco, and it was striking to see the showers and the bathrooms and the food and clothing and all the necessities um, people would need and wondering what's going to happen to all of that. For sure. For sure. Um, So we've all passed homeless encampments in the Bay Area, and um, I'm sure many of us presume what's going on inside the tents and in the places um, between them. But you spent a lot of time in Santa Cruz's Friendship Garden, and I was wondering if you could describe what it was like to be there. Yeah, so the Friendship Garden itself is a really lovely little corner of a city park called Harvey West. Um, It's this kind of redwood lined grove off to the side of a picnic area. And right now there's about three dozen people give or take there. And the camp has been there for about six months and it was set up. Um, with sort of some help from a local nonprofit called the Warming Center Program. Um, and what they tried to do was make it what they call an agreement camp. So the residents themselves, not the city or anyone, the residents themselves are agreeing, we're going to refrain from violence, we're going to refrain from theft, and we're going to refrain from things like open use of drugs or illegal substances. Um, and it's one thing to kind of see that on paper, but what was really striking to me when I talked to the residents, and I would say definitely especially women, was that they said they felt that kind of asking people even to just verbally agree to these things did really help with the environment. Like a lot of people said they felt safer there. They felt like they were maybe able to leave their tents during the day to go look for work or to go see about longer term apartments because a lot of people do have housing vouchers that they haven't been able to use because the market is so competitive. Um, And they really contrasted that with other encampments that they've been to where maybe you're on like a busy kind of emissions clogged roadway or a sidewalk or something like that. Or in Santa Cruz, there's a whole ecosystem of camp around the San Lorenzo River near downtown. So there's one called Hell's Trail, which honestly is kind of what it sounds like. There's like <laughs> That a, does not sound good. Yeah, bad fires, things like that. Um, and then there's another big park in Santa Cruz called the Benchlands, um, where, again, that's kind of notorious, like among folks who have been outside, uh, you worry about theft, you worry about leaving your tent. So I think the main takeaway for me was definitely that not all encampments are kind of equal for the people who live there. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth in Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I feel like it's a place of 
calmness and uh, I feel safe here. Um, it's like sacred, isn't it? Yeah, it's sacred. It's, it's home. I can't wait to come home. That was Jamie Mims and John Palacios talking about living in the tent they share at the Friendship Garden Encampment in Santa Cruz. Lauren Hepler, you talked about some of the preconditions that people have agreed to there. Was that just sort of an organic thing, or how did those agreements come to be? Yeah, so that was definitely an idea um, that surfaced from this nonprofit, the Warming Center Program. Um, and the idea was that if we can have encampments that are a bit more self-sufficient, another big priority was keeping things clean. People agree to throw their stuff out. There's a big dumpster there. And I will say it was a pretty clean space from the three or four days I visited um, and so the idea is that if we can demonstrate, look, if you kind of let people at least have some semblance of a stable place to stay outside, it can maybe uh, be more of a functional space than when people are having to pack up, move, getting shuffled around all the time. So that's mm-hmm. one of these things. The buzzword right now is kind of coexistence, since, like you said, the cities aren't building housing at a fast enough clip to house tens of thousands of people. What are we going to do in the meantime? And I wanted to ask you about costs. Um, Governor Newsom has made a budget commitment to address homelessness, but how does that factor into um, encampments and um, potentially relocating their residents? And how much does it cost to clear encampments? Yeah, for sure. So this is an area where there's been a lot of reports recently. And we know like from Oakland, the city spent $12.6 million from 2018 to 2020 cleaning up and most of the money on actually sweeping or fully clearing encampments. Um, so that's a, it's a big existing cost right now for a lot of cities. Um, and with Newsom's new budget, the vast majority of the $12 billion that he's proposing would go towards housing. So converting motels or building new housing, those sorts of things. But he's earmarked $1.5 billion for kind of vaguely cleaning up public spaces. We don't know exactly what that means, what spaces are going to be prioritized. And he's also designated $50 million that would go to cities to move people out of what he deemed unsafe encampments and move them into housing. But again, if as soon as you talk to cities, they say 50 million for cities across the state. Like that is definitely a drop in the bucket when it compares to the scale of the challenge. Right. I was confused to see those numbers because 50 million to house residents versus 1.5 billion to clean <laughs> seems a little yeah. bit... And I'm sure that the governor's office would say, well, the money we're spending on motel conversions and all these other things will help. But obviously the question is, okay, well, how many of these are long-term solutions versus what are we going to do right now about the situations that on streets in cities and suburbs kind of all around the region have gotten really bad during the pandemic? And housing advocates fear that the upcoming end of eviction moratoriums will contribute to the size of the homeless population. What do we know about the size and scope of local homeless encampments now and how many people are we talking about here? Yeah, this is a huge question because a lot of local cities either altered or didn't do their annual homeless counts last year during the pandemic. So we don't know the the real numbers. And there's questions always about the way the cities sort of count these things anyway. But what we do know from the federal government is that the estimate was there's about 113,000 people in California living outside of any shelter. And the majority of that is near Los Angeles, but the next biggest region, definitely the Bay Area. So we're talking about tens of thousands of people here. Mm -hmm. And really what we're looking at now is kind of this volatile combination of policies that are said to expire. So um, there's this CDC order about sweeping encampments that now we're seeing cities start to say, okay, we're moving beyond that. We're going to start 
thinking about clearing more camps. But at the same time, the state's eviction moratorium is set to lift June 30th. Um, and there's all kinds of rent relief programs that are also out there now. But what I'm hearing from advocacy groups is they're seeing people fall through the cracks of that. Maybe there isn't information in their language on how to access that. Maybe their landlord has said they're not going to participate. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts right now. And when you visited the camp in Santa Cruz, what did you hear from the unhoused residents themselves? What are they saying and how are they feeling about, you know, these potential sweeps? I think the kind of overwhelming sense was like a feeling of dread, like, ugh, we have to do this again. I talked to one man, Mark Beckner, um, who had an Australian shepherd, George, who he took in after his daughter passed away a couple years ago. And he talked Mm -hmm. about how the last time he had to move from an encampment a couple months ago, someone vandalized the scooter that he uses to to bring his dog around. Um, And so that's just one example of kind of, it's just like, you're already trying to survive outside with few resources. So everything like this, whenever you have to move again, things get damaged, can be like a a big blow. Let's listen to Mark Beckner. They're just trying to get us out of the park for whatever reason. I don't know. I understand. Okay, you shouldn't allow camping in the parks. That's not a good place for us to be. But um, the fact of the matter is we're not. Nobody has said anything about us back here. Nobody's had any complaints. And the place is clean. And safety is an issue too, right? Yeah, the other thing that was definitely a, a big theme for women there was just the feeling that they had found some semblance of safety at this camp. Um, the city right now is saying they want the camp camp to relocate to near the river where there's already a bunch of other encampments. Um, so sort of centralizing the city's homeless mm. population. And definitely the women that I spoke with said they've already lived down there and they did not feel safe. Um, so the big question now, some advocacy groups are like, we should stand our ground and like, this should be a moment where we say, no, we're not going to move. But most people I talked to were honestly like, you know, I'm thinking about leaving town. Uh, Mark Beckner said, um, I'm just thinking about going off on my own. And that's something that mm. is, is kind of sad and striking about the situation. It's just like, where are people going to go? And if they get pushed farther out to the fringe, what are the chances for finding resources, getting back into housing, all of these things? Did he say where he would go or just away from there? He had told me that before he had been out um, in kind of more isolated areas near railroad tracks. There's obviously lots of forested areas around Santa Cruz and the city, given the high wildfire risk there has really tried to crack down in the last few years on having people out on their own in forested areas. But the city's also debating a strict new camping ban. So the question is, where can people go to find some semblance of stability with all of this going on at once? Wow. Well, I'm sure you'll be keeping an eye on this story. It's really interesting. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Heather. Thank you to Lauren Hepler for joining me today, to King Kaufman and Cecilia Lay for producing this episode, to Carlos Avila Gonzalez for gathering audio, and thank you for listening.